The New Testament reading is taken from John chapter 18, verses 28 to 40. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So when Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Well, good morning, everyone. Buenos dias. It's great to be with you all the way from Valencia. Uh, it's so strange that I can join you um, this morning, but also so amazing. We miss you, we love you, but uh, yeah, it's great to be able to be with you and share God's word with you this morning. Let me pray as we begin. Father God, this morning we want to listen to Jesus. We want uh, more of him. We want to be changed by him. We pray that you would do that by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let me ask you a question as we begin. Do you want the truth? Do you want to hear the truth? Maybe that age-old question comes to mind, you know, um, when you're wearing something and you ask someone else whether you look fat in it. That's a sort of uh, classic example, isn't it? Uh, Rosie's laughter gave away the truth that my Spanish hadn't been good enough to ask for the right haircut when we first got out here. But obviously wanting to listen to the truth gets much more serious than that, doesn't it? Truth has been all over our news recently, hasn't it? Maybe you've thought about the politics uh, and what's been happening there over the last few months. Our country's desire for the truth appears to be strong, doesn't it? Yes, there's lies and sleaze and cover-up, but there appears to be a really strong desire for the truth to come out as well. 
The same could be said, couldn't it, for our love of crime dramas. I mean, have you ever thought how weird it is how many TV series we have on, on British TV investigating murders? Is there something deep in us that really enjoys the fact that at the end of the series, at the end of the investigation, we can know the truth? It's satisfying for us, isn't it? We must conclude that God has designed us with a desire to know the truth. We know that truth brings certainty in the face of doubt. We know that truth brings um, uh, clarity in the face of confusion. If we could really know the full truth about everything, isn't that something that we'd all want? And at an even deeper level, if we could know, uh, that if we know that God is truth, if we know that everything in him is true, he never lies, there's no untruth in him, wouldn't we all just want to listen to him? Well, the passage we're looking at today, surprisingly perhaps, in it we see that the world, and by that I mean all people everywhere before they know God, when it comes to it, don't really want the truth. Something's changed since we were first created in God's image. The Bible says since Adam and Eve's first sin, when they believed the devil's lies, we've all become enemies of the truth. We bask in the devil's lies that question whether God is good or not. We bask in the devil's lies that say that we are really good inside. Deep down we know that we are living a lie. We don't want uh, to hear that truth exposed and uncovered. And so as the world, we close our ears and oppose the truth. Intrigued? Confused? Don't agree? We'll keep listening as we unpack the passage we're looking at today. Let me set the scene for us. We're in the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. Jesus has been arrested in the dark of the night. He's been betrayed by his friend, then tried unjustly and brutally by the Jewish leaders. Then we get to our scene today, and we begin by the, with the Jewish leaders taking Jesus from uh, the, head, um, the house of the chief priest to the Roman governor's house, to Pilate's house. As we see what plays out, we see the religious leaders are intent on destroying the truth. It's a little strange starting a story halfway through, obviously, but if we'd read the whole of John's Gospel, uh, rather than just starting at chapter 18, we might have noticed that the whole Gospel is written like some sort of court scene or, or trial. Words like witness and testify and judgment and verdict, they're always cropping up. On the surface, it appears that the Jewish leaders have Jesus on trial. He is claiming to be the truth, truth from God, truth that knows all things, truth that reveals all things, including what people are really like. And the Jewish leaders are trying to determine whether or not they believe this claim. And in chapter 12, at the end of Jesus' ministry, before the events of the first Easter weekend, which we're looking at now, the Jewish leaders conclude, no. They do not believe Jesus is the truth. But why? I mean, they saw plenty of his signs. They saw plenty of his miracles. But they reject him as the truth because the truth exposes what they are really like, who they really are. And they hate having someone around who can see into their hearts. 
You see, this trial that's on the surface that the Jewish leaders are putting Jesus under, it's kind of an ironic trial. Because in the true trial that John presents, Jesus is the judge. He knows the truth about everyone's hearts. And he has his own verdict. And this is what it is in chapter 3. He says, this is the verdict. Light, which he means himself, has come into the world. But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so it may be plainly seen that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. See, here Jesus' truth acts like one of those MRI scanners that doctors use to reveal what's really going on under the skin. Jesus exposes people's hearts, showing them what they're really like. I wonder how we would react to having someone around us who could read all our thoughts and intentions. Wouldn't we want to shut them up? You see, the Jewish leaders on the outside would have looked like moral, law-abiding, upright people. But in their interactions with Jesus, they keep getting shown up to be hypocrites and frauds. That's why they're so desperate to kill him. And even here, in the act of trying to get him killed in chapter 18, their hearts are shown off to be even darker than we first thought. It's verse 28. It's early in the morning of the day when the Jews will celebrate the Passover feast. And the Jewish leaders take Jesus, this man they know to be innocent, to Pilate in an attempt to get him brutally executed. They could have killed him themselves. They later do that with Stephen in Acts. But they want Jesus to face the most torturous execution possible. A death that the Old Testament said was a cursed death. Crucifixion. Now you might think at this point they would have forgotten any efforts to look like law keepers on the outside. But no, they refused to go into Pilate's house because he's a Gentile. And by their own rules, that would make them unclean for the Passover feast. This was, see, this was a ceremonial law that meant if you went into a house of a Gentile, you weren't allowed to celebrate the feast that evening. You become ceremonially unclean on the outside. You know, it wasn't even a law that God had given them, them him themselves, but was one that they'd made up above and beyond. But they want to murder an innocent man and at the same time remain ceremonially clean on the outside. I mean, just contemplate the sickening hypocrisy that we see on show here. It's truly evil. Out of envy, out of a desire not to be exposed, they're willing to go above and beyond to have Jesus killed. And yet they're refusing to break one of their own man-made rules. You know, it's a bit like a murderer trying to use a bus to get away from a murder scene. And after their crime, they get onto the bus and then they make sure they put on their mask totally correctly. So it looks like on the outside they're concerned for people's health. Calvin says this about the leaders. These hypocrites, though they are so full of malice, ambition, fraud, cruelty, deceit, greed, that they almost infect heaven and earth with their abominable smell, are only afraid of external pollution. Only afraid of external pollution. But is it just a one-off event. Are these Jewish leaders particularly hypocritical? Or is humanity doing just the same 
now. J.C. Ryle says this, It is no uncommon thing to find people excessively meticulous about the observance of trifling forms and outward ceremonies, whilst they are the slaves of degrading sins and detestable immoralities. Doesn't that ring so true in the world around us? Maybe even in our own hearts. Far more concerned about external pollution, of sins that other people can see, than the much more serious sin that is concealed to others, but God sees and knows. Maybe that's our thought lives, or what happens behind closed doors with our families in our houses, what we do when we're on our computer. Are we also living with this deep hypocrisy? Do we really want the truth? Do you want to listen to Jesus? Not if you're a hypocrite, not if he's going to leave you your, your hypocrisy exposed. But the Jewish leaders aren't the only ones to oppose the truth. Next, it's Pilate's turn. I guess we might think lies and sleaze and hypocrisy are the biggest attacks on truth in our society. But there is a second attack, which is also incredibly serious, and we see it in this next section. It's the rejection of truth as something that is even possible or of value. And it's a way of thinking that our society is very influenced by at the minute. Objective truth seems to have lost its value. Instead, as well as obvious lies, we hear things like, live your own truth, be true to yourself. Your truth is what matters. But our current culture hasn't invented this way of thinking. It's nothing new. We see it here in Jesus' interaction with Pilate. Pilate begins to ask Jesus about whether or not he's the king of the Jews, knowing that if he can get Jesus to claim to be the king, then it's easy, he can just execute him for opposing Caesar's rule. But Jesus doesn't play along with this plan of attack. He says that his kingdom is very different to Pilate's. He's no threat to Pilate's earthly kingdom. Instead, he says this, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. He's saying he was born that first Christmas day to witness to the truth, to be the truth revealer. We'll think more in a second what that will mean for us. But for now, just think about what Jesus is offering Pilate. What an opportunity. Everyone who listens to my voice is of the truth. Pilate, if you want the truth, just listen to me. I can give you it. Truth about the world, truth about God. That's the purpose I've come. But just like the religious leaders, Pilate rejects the truth. He retorts with the famous line, What is truth? What is truth? For Pilate, truth ultimately had no value. We know that if we read on, that Pilate um, was uh, um, a bit troubled in his rejection of Jesus. But ultimately, the people-pleasing side of his character, that so desperately wanted to keep the Jews on side, was happy to reject even the concept of truth. The world around us is often described as post-truth. 
Truth doesn't have to be listened to if it becomes something that gets in the way of what we really desire. Pilate desired, desired his powerful position and therefore people pleased the Jewish leaders he was struggling to rule. To him that had much more value than the truth. For us here this morning, is there something that we desire much more than the truth? An easy life, maybe. We know Jesus is the truth, but it's much easier to remain undecided about listening to him and obeying him and to live our, in, with our own lies instead. Or maybe people-pleasing is an, an issue for us too. People are big and God is small. We know Jesus is the truth, but the reality of what our friends or our colleagues or our family members would think is too strong for us to wholly accept him and listen to him. We'd much rather live a lie. Or maybe it's social status, or maybe it's career, or maybe it's our kids, whatever it is. Are we too willing to close our ears to the truth and prioritize something else? The problem is, if we abandon the concept of truth and the importance of it, particularly of truth about God and what he's done for us, we end up living a lie. Inevitably, we end up like Pilate, doing evil beyond belief. Because ultimately, we're rejecting Jesus and all that is good. Just like in the psalm that we read earlier. Pilate, at the end of our passage, ends up sentencing God's only son to be killed on a cross, all because he thought truth was not as valuable as pleasing the crowds. It's no small thing to reject the truth, and the evil that follows, I'm afraid, is inevitable and real. That famous slave song says, Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there? Maybe you know that song. The correct rhetorical answer to that song is obviously, yes, I was there. We've all followed in just the same way as the religious leaders and Pilate. We've done evil and our hands are not clean of Jesus' blood. But there is still so much hope for us this Sunday morning. Don't stop listening now. If you feel convicted or discouraged, here is your assurance and encouragement this morning. Here is your good news. Jesus replies to Pilate, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. We can listen to Jesus. And he really is the truth. In him there really is no lies, there is no deceit, there's no falsehood, there's no shadow side, there's no skeleton in the closet, there's no exaggeration, there's no manipulation, there is only the truth. We're so used to being oversold and overpromised, aren't we? Maybe it's an advert uh, about how a product can get rid of grease or, or repair our skin, and we just know that it's not going to be as good as the advert portrays. Through repetitively, repetitively being let down by people and products, we become immune to people overselling who or what they really are. But if Jesus is the witness to the truth, if he is the truth and there really is no lies in him, then everything he claims can be fully trusted. Nothing can be more certain. Doubt is horrible, isn't it? 
It gets in your mind, it plagues your thoughts, it affects your sleep. But Jesus' truthfulness just clears all doubt. Because it's certain. Confusion's the same, isn't it? It hurts your head, it leaves you disorientated about what to do. It leaves you feeling lost. But Jesus' truthfulness ends the confusion. It brings total clarity for us to trust in. Jesus is the truth. We can listen to him. And an amazing part of him being that truth is that as Jesus came into the world, he came into the world to show that God is always true to his promises, true to his word. That's part of what bearing witness of the truth really means. All promises find their yes in Christ. God had promised for thousands of years that he would send his people a saviour. Someone who would come and rescue them from their biggest enemy, their own sin, their own lies, their opposition to the truth. And it's no coincidence that this scene we're looking at today happened on the weekend of the Passover celebrations, when the Jewish people celebrated that first great rescue of his people from Egypt. That rescue when an innocent lamb um, was killed in the place of uh, God's, of, in the place of God's people to save them from Egypt and the angel of death. It looked forward to a day when God would rescue his people from their own sin by God providing a new perfect lamb, Christ himself. And the day we're looking at in our passage is that very exact day. Jesus doesn't command his servants to come and fight for him. Instead, he lays down his own life. He is punished on the cursed cross to save his people from their sin, from their lies. And if we're listening to him this morning, if we're trusting him, then our sins, our lack of truthfulness will not only be exposed, but then it will be dealt with and cleaned. We will carry those sins no more. Just like Jesus takes the place of Barabbas at the end of our passage, the criminal. And Jesus, Jesus will then take our place on the cross so we can be free. We can live in the light. We can be committed to the truth. We can abandon the lies and the cover-up. Our fear of being exposed can go away. And we can listen to Jesus and we can enjoy it. Do you want the truth? Will you listen to Jesus this morning? You can join in the world uh, opposing him in case he will expose you. Or you can dismiss it and you can choose other things to be more important to you than the truth. Or you can listen to Jesus. You can accept him as the truth and enjoy God being true to his promises to you and forgive your sins. This is what Jesus says in chapter 8 of John's Gospel, to a group of Jews who do believe in him, do listen to him. He says this, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let me pray for us this morning. Father God, our hearts are evil and full of untruth. Jesus is the truth, and we want to accept him listen to him and trust him we accept we are sinners please forgive our sins and change us to be those committed to the truth in all areas of our life especially truth about you 
Oh, man. Now, I haven't spent ages this morning unpacking how practically we can listen to Jesus. It's obvious it involves reading what he has to say, accepting and trusting it. But if you're unclear about how to get started with that, let me encourage you to speak to somebody else who's at church with you this morning and ask them how to go about practically listening to Jesus. But next, for all of us, we're going to sing those amazing truths of what God has done for us in Christ on the cross uh, together. So please stand as we sing How Deep the Father's Love for Us.